Welcome to Nature Back Podcast, where we speak with our guests about the green future. My name is Tarmo Virki, and in this week's episode, I'm speaking with James Vincent from Founder. Hey there, I'm Merit, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Single Earth, and we are building a nature-backed currency to empower you to fight against climate change and biodiversity loss. Sign up at Single.Earth and be among the first to switch to a truly sustainable, nature-based economy. And don't forget to join the discussion around climate change and biodiversity loss on our Discord channel. Enjoy the show. Today we have our guest, uh, James Vincent, from a new uh, found, uh, fund called Founder. Welcome, James. Hi, how are you, Tama? Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a beautiful day in Estonia. I hope it's uh, on the in the US, uh, you know, amazing day also. Yeah, it's sunny in New York City. So <laughs> it's often sunny in New York City. It's just bleeding cold, but that's the way it goes around here. Beautiful. Um, tell us a few words about Founder. What's the, what's the background? And for the viewers, it's uh, said as Founder, but it's spelled F-N-D-R. <laughs> Right. Well, my little gag is we couldn't afford the vowels. Um, so that makes people remember FNDR. So if you take the vowels out, you get to, there's a big Chinese company called Founder that had the domain name, I think, way before us. So, um, yeah. So, and we, yeah, we just pull the vowels away and there we are. We work with founders directly. Um, you know, I was lucky enough on my own to work with Steve Jobs uh, in those seminal years between 2000 and 2011. So, Every week I was uh, meeting with him on a Wednesday from one till three for 11 years. Uh, I could set my watch by the sort of what I was doing each day uh, and what we needed to having four, three, 400 people all orchestrated around a weekly cadence of showing ideas to Steve and pulling the genius out of Steve to launch iTunes, then iPod that turned into iPhone and the App Store and iPad. And so just sort of the digitization of media and then the microization of supercomputers in your pocket and, you know, and the world as it is today, really. I think the platform that the last 15 years have been built on. And so I was lucky enough to sort of have a ringside. Well, it wasn't ringside seat at all. I was fully immersed in the, I was the wrestler um, on the field with Steve uh, in a good way, I think mostly, but uh, yeah, tussling with ideas and communication and strategies to launch, you know, each one of those was something no one had ever seen before. You know, it's like when iTunes came along, people were not paying for music. They were downloading online, LimeWire and Napster, you know, apps. Uh, iPod came along and there were like MP3 players or there were CD Walkmans that skip. They have, tw- you know, a thousand songs in your pocket. Whoa, what the hell is that? You know, what's this click wheel all about? Like, why do I need that? You know, um, you know, the iPhone comes along and everyone goes, oh, where are my buttons? You know, what the heck? What's this screen doing here? You know, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. You'll be fine without your buttons. But the Crackberry and the Nokia people, you know, were like, what the heck? And, you know, and then the app store comes along and goes, oh, I get it. Right. There's an app for that. There's, it's a Swiss army knife. It does everything. And Oh, I don't need my buttons after all. But, you know, the first human impression. And so there's, I think, in all of that, and the reason I'm sort of laboring that is just I've been through a few of these sort of seminal changes in technology and chapters and eras um, with, you know, someone who could see around the corner, thankfully. So I wasn't that guy, but he was. Um, And then I went on to work with uh, Brian Chesky and Airbnb and introduced sort of a new way to travel by being a local and, you know, living in people's homes and being you know, sort of resolving that paradox of being away, but being at home, feeling belonging and staying somewhere that feels, you know, you feel at home in Estonia or New York or wherever you're going. Um, And then just then our first client was Adam Spiegel at Snapchat, and he was trying to get out of being 
lumped in with the rest of social media because you know snap is ephemeral and it, they don't sort of utilize your your privacy in the same way and so that ephemerality actually is the source of long lasting friendship because you're not lying to lots of strangers which is what most people are doing on social media you have a small number of people and you're being pretty honest so sorry that was a very long answer to a very short question but i and so founder is a company where we bring founders in and we take them through this you know as learned along the way through some of these big founders but also sort of intuition and my three partners are incredible one's a storyteller one's a strategist one's an entrepreneur and i'm sort of the alchemist and we take founders our our process is to pull the genius out of the founder so we think the founders often almost always have the genius somewhere they're just not quite saying it right or they're not quite segmenting it or sequencing it correctly or audience specific or so we really get into how to tell the story whether it's you know pitching you know probably not your first you know round of funding but probably you know an a or a b or c or somewhere in there um and then how do you think about audiences and how do you tell stories that where everything gets your talk tracks for different audiences but everybody everything gets to the same place um so yeah we're 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 helping storytelling and uh, we launched uh, last week at slush or when at two weeks three weeks ago whenever that was yeah. um a fund that basically sort of just extends the premise of what we do you know mm. we don't come in i said very particularly we're not venture capitalists you don't come to us for money right you come to us for storytelling and you stay and you get involved and we end up buying into your and lps give us money to buy into because we have access to some great founders and we go on cap tables in order to carry on being storytellers throughout the journey because and particularly in this area of climate um tech i think the time horizons are just longer you know and i, I think that's often why you know vcs are involved but often family offices are involved so they just have longer time you know oh that's going to take 5 years and that's going to take another 5 years and that's you know um just giving a couple of examples of that and stop me if it's boring but uh 2 months ago we launched electric airplanes or we helped heart aerospace launch electric airplanes in gothenburg um and that was you know just getting on with it you know uh we launched hopium hydrogen cars at the Paris auto show in September and I met president macron and and these these are both of those examples are well you just have to start mm. innovation is actually starting is starting the process you might say ipod you know is was the start let's just start with music like amazon start with books you know let's build the big thing but start with something and i think sometimes get people get a bit confused with the sequencing of messaging and want to boil the ocean and change the world when all they've got is like a small piece of technology that figures out how to you know remove carbon or what which is great but it's just the beginning you know and so i think sequencing of messaging particularly when there's this really meta you know i mean hydrogen isn't available for cars everywhere you know electric airplanes seem fanciful right now but you know the practicality of it and another great lesson from steve was always to introduce the new with the familiar mm. i think often people when they're like oh my god we're changing the world so let's introduce new on top of new and everyone's just like i'll do that next year i don't understand yeah. Yeah. you know it's like that's too much like but but you know oh you know your photos and your music and yeah you want that it's in your app oh i started with things that i'm familiar with but this phone doesn't have any but don't worry about the buttons it's fine you exactly. go into the familiar areas and people go oh i get it right so yeah. you know we work with sweep a carbon emissions company in in 
in France, we work with Sourceful, a sort of removing waste in the supply chain and doing sustainable packaging. We help them just sort of tell their story and use language that was relevant today, mm. but had a sort of tip to the future. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so putting your carbon on track was what we came up with Sweep. And creating a supply flow, not a supply chain was, and it's simple language, you know, it's, but it, don't be afraid of inevitable. You know, Steve mm. was always like, just because that thousand songs in your pocket, he's like, that's it. I'm like, no, 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 we're going to, no, 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 that's it. There's an app for that. That's it. Oh, 99 cents for your favorite song. That's it. You know, mm. don't be afraid of that. Everyone's always looking for these like, but, you know, but actually the simple language is how to bring people on board. Mm. So. The sequencing uh, comment you made was really interesting because being involved in, in a cl- climate tech company myself and talking about the kind of long-term vision, which might be, you know, 10 or 20 or 30 years out there, it's quite a challenge to, you know, talk about something which is happening in the long term in the future, but something start, you know, starting to, you know, grasp the first few steps or the first few years, what you're actually bringing to the market today. It's uh, w- when there's a kind of, you know, maybe massive difference from the from the viewers or the or the listeners point of view is quite a challenge in a way the sequencing part yeah you know I, I don't think humans are good at thinking about their future selves you know as we were just talking about you mm. know they're often like sort of surviving today next week and hopefully by the end of next week you know and and, and next year will take care of itself and and of course these issues are increasingly pressing you know, and even though they're increasingly pressing, there's still people find reasons not to tackle them. But I do feel like these issues are more and more and more pressing, right? In culture, people are like, no, no, no. I get off a plane. I'm like, that felt not good. Like, how do I get to a place where I can get off a plane and not feel guilty? Or how do I remove the waste? Or when I open a package from Amazon, I'm like, oh, I got to stop ordering from them. And maybe I should sequence them so they all come together. Or why isn't the packaging not plastic? Or And at some point, that pressure and and consumer pressure and giving choices to consumers, I think oftentimes, and businesses, they'll make good decisions if you give them more choices. And there just haven't been good choices. I really think that has been the problem. And now, of course, you look at climate tech companies and there are a million, you know, in, I don't know, anything from packaging to ag tech to new materials to transport to forms of energy. I mean, you, you talked about sequencing. I'm going to give you a little model that might be helpful. And it's the way we think about it at Founder. It's a bit of sort of Founder IP. So in our experience, when these very new sort of like long-term shifts are, and you, you're trying to figure out where you're at in that development, we think there's three phases. And the three phases are, the first phase, we call it a shock absorber. It's like, oh my God, right? So Web3 is in shock absorber. It's like, you know, I mean, it's gone back actually even further since, you know, crypto crash. But Web3 is in like, well, I don't understand, but maybe the new generation understands like, you know, the digital and the physical and the, um, but shock absorber is the first thing. And I, I might argue a bunch of climate techs in the shock absorber, right? We're just trying to figure out what that first step is. Then you're looking for a bridge. That's the second point. And the second point is like, oh, I'm starting to see it now. Okay. So you laid the track. You solved some of those sort of immediate issues. I understand I need to remove carbon. You've got a piece of AI that solves that. Okay. I've got into the system. I'm starting to use it. Oh, now there's a thing that actually helps to remove that. Or that, okay, because now I'm aware of it. Now you're beginning to solve it. Okay, great. No, no, no. And then the third, so the first phase is shock absorber, like avoid, you know, kind of take the shock of the new issue 
Then bridge is the second phase. And the third phase is springboard. So again, if I was to use the Apple 10 years, the mm. shock absorber was iPod iTunes, right? Oh my God, digital media, a small device in my hand. What the heck? You know, computers are these things that don't work very much and, you know, big and cumbersome and silly. And then the bridge was the iPhone. You're like, wow. Oh, okay. It's all here. It's like a Swiss army knife. It does everything. But how do I use it? There's no buttons. Da, da, da. And so the app store was the springboard. And of course, I, it'd be hard to argue that the app store wasn't the springboard of the last 15 years of tech growth, right? There's an app for that. There's an app for that. There's an app for that. You know, either business or, or consumer. And so I think if we were to look at climate tech, we would probably imagine that in most of those spheres, certainly in hydrogen cars, certainly in electric airplanes, certainly in mycelium foods or, or cultivated meat, certainly in carbon or in uh, forms of energy or fusion, you know, those different for, or storing energy or in removing waste from supply chain, all these issues that we know we have to solve. We're really beginning to be in the shock absorber, which is get people to adopt some of these methodologies and understand them on a human level and go, yeah, yeah I'm removing carbon every single day. Awesome. Step one. Now, step two is, okay, now let's, you know, take you to the next level and create a bridge. And then we'll know when we're at the bridge that the springboard is pretty soon. So I don't know what the time frame is and don't, I'm not, don't pretend to be a futurist, mm -hmm. but let's imagine a decade from now. And, you know, in, in Europe, you know, most investments are ESG, right? Which in America, they're not like this, they're horribly not barely even compliant with ESG, right? So, so as more and more money, as that continues, more and more investment goes into this area companies and individuals have more choices and don't actually have the choice not to do it mm -hmm. because the money's being funded to do it because consumer pressure and culture is forcing you to do it because technology has advanced such. I think the culmination of all those supply and demand issues create a sort of that moment where the bridge can happen. But right now we're in the shock absorber with climate tech. Mm. Uh, it seems to me that basically all these things are actually going in the, in the right direction. Uh, in a way, as the consumer awareness is increasing, the money to the sector is increasing, the brain drain also from the kind of old technology sectors to the climate tech is definitely happening, that the uh, we might be in a, basically in a pretty good situation for to move on to the, to the bridge phase, as you were describing. Yeah, I mean, the bridge, I don't know whether you remember, but, you know, 2010 or 12, or it felt like a bridge moment. It's like, oh my God, Uber and airbnb and this and that and fuck i can press a button and the thing arrives look my car's coming in three minutes remember that moment you're like what the heck oh my god i just ordered something and it's arriving tomorrow no today what the heck you know like mm -hmm. those like human magic moments where you captivate everybody right we're a few years off from that because we haven't done the homework yet we haven't mm -hmm. shock absorbed the need for culture to absorb absorb the new metrics of what's important in the world, you know, mm. carbon or offs or, or or you know how much waste I'm creating, or is there a more efficient way to do that, or is there a way to remove plastics, or is there a way to eat better for the you know less mm. you know animals, or you know just on a million levels, and we do know there isn't one silver bullet here, right? We need ten million solutions. And every single thing you do. So I think it's like, that's why, you know, I, I look at the climate, I was looking at a climate tech list mm. for the UK. You know, they're all relatively small, right? They're all, you know, in there, they all got their 
proudly got that $8 million seed, whatever. And you're like, that's great. Probably actually that's the future, right? So mm-hmm. valuations coming down, those numbers, you know, they got $3 million <laughs> yep. seed, they're probably proud. But, and, and that's because we're in the shock absorber moment, you know, and no, you know, and then you get to what VCs and others like to call sort of product market fit, where you're like, oh, this is now a business. And I've got a hundred businesses doing it and the big guys are doing it with me and they're paying me on a regular basis and they've adopted and understood. And then consumers come into work and go, why aren't we using that? You know, those moments where they go, whatever, five years ago, why aren't we using Airtable or Notion or, you know, and then you go, oh, you know, I mean, Apple got into without ever talking to companies. They just, everybody insisted on having an iPhone. They were like, I don't, you know, I I want an iPhone or or one designed very much like an iPhone copy, but whatever. I remember working at the the big corporation at the time when everybody were using Blackberries and you started to slowly see the drain of iPhones into the, you know, global companies. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting times. Yeah. That's, I think those parallels, it is always helpful to sort of go back and look at, historical parallels and development of new. And I think that's the way to zoom out and see where we're at with climate tech, which is, I think, very encouraging. Um, I'm excited for it. I think that actually the turmoil of the last year or so and the tight, you know, markets and investment philosophy and and some of the sort of silly hedonism of sort of crypto and just, you know, Sequoia and people like, you know, just like, whoa, what the hell happened now? I thought you were like the due diligence kings, you know, and then <laughs> you're now going to go back to this place where, you know, a more measured approach, a more long term, you know, family offices have historically, I think, you know, been taken a lead in climate tech because they're, you know, that they, they, they want to put a, the vision put is longer term. Universe, yeah. They have a longer time frame, you know, and VC structures tend to sort of push things to want to happen shorter. But I think as we increasingly get through the shock absorber and into the bridge, we'll start seeing bridges, you know, Mm. and that's when the more, you know, more sizable investments will come. Who knows in the in the coming years? Mm. And and I think also the kind of having that technology at the hand of or in the hand of consumers is the one of those crucial bridges. At the point when you're having your first flight on an electric airplane, it's surely the kind of the moment when you start to actually understand that the world is changing around you. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. I mean, that's often, you know, um, it was funny. So uh, I'll just tell you a little story. So Anders, who's uh, the Swedish um, head of Heart Aerospace, I met, met him at Brilliant Minds in in Stockholm this summer. And uh, he was going up on the stage and uh, I don't we should save his blushes by not telling the whole story. But um, and he's like, you know, he came down and he we talked a little bit about some of my experience. And he was like, how did I do? And I'm like, you got there. It was great. Like you got there, but you got there like right at the end. So we need to flip it. Like the thing you said at the end, you need to say at the beginning. And, and he's like, what do you mean? And like, because the story is incredibly compelling. And that's what I mean by pull the genius out of founders. Like it's not that it's not there. It's just they haven't sequenced it themselves. And we're about, we're storytellers, right? So we're like, how do I get your attention? You know, uh, transport, uh, aviation is currently two and a half percent of carbon emissions because there's a billion people flying. But we're selling airplanes to India, Africa, and China, and there's going to be two billion, and then three billion, and then four billion, and then it becomes ten, fifteen, and twenty percent of carbon emissions. So mm-hmm. let's get solving this today. You got my attention. You got my attention right now. Okay, what have you got? Well. I'm launching in two years an airplane that holds 39 people that has electric engines. And you're like, wow. Now, your first thing you're probably worried about is, did someone plug it in and at 30,000 feet, will the battery work, right? 
So don't worry, someone did plug it in. But more importantly, there's an auxiliary jet engine at the back. Okay, so again, introduce the new with the familiar. You know, I think that's probably, it's not actually a hybrid, but it's it's more there for safety and mm. just you know, reassurance. But again, back with the new with the familiar, right? If it was yeah. new on top of new, I've got electric supported by electric. You're like, okay, no, 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 I'll do that. <laughs> I'll get some other people to fly it first, you know. <laughs> at the last conference I was at, I think it was Web Summit, I asked everybody in the audience, 2,000 people, I was like, how many people would fly an electric airplane? And like a few people put their hands up, like, oh. I'm not sure. And I was like, how many people would fly an electric airplane if you knew there was an auxiliary jet engine? Everybody puts their hands up. So you get, you have to figure out in culture what those things are that might be holding people back. And then don't be afraid to sort of get in there. And sometimes innovation is just starting the ball rolling, you know? And, you know, one of the things I think Anders was so smart about with Heart Aerospace, it looks like an airplane. You know, often electric airplanes look like these weird, futuristic, Jetson, bubbly. You're like, I'm not flying in that thing. Like some weird enthusiast with like two of his friends might crash mm-hmm. it, a private jet thing. But no, no, no. If it looks like an airplane and it flies like an airplane, it smells like an airplane just because it's electric. Okay, I'm getting in it, right? Exactly. I mean, Steve, I remember we were talking, we were figuring out what to call this, the phone, mm-hmm. right? We had, I mean, two years of like, we had amazing names. Like, oh, we'll do this, we'll do that. And then, I mean, literally the night before, Steve's like, you know what? Let's not fight that battle. Let's just call it iPhone. Because, you know, I mean, we obviously talked about that. But because we've been calling things iPod and iTunes, and so we're calling yeah. everything something or other. And it's, let's just call it iPhone, you know, Apple revolutionized the phone, because let's not fight that battle of it's not a phone. It's a phone, you know, 100 years of cultural history, you know, actually, we launched the iPhone with a commercial. It's called Hello. It's a beautiful commercial, actually, if you dig it up. It'll make you smile. 2006, it's coming. And it was basically just a bunch of incredibly famous people from footage, from, like, Robert Redford to, like, Mr. Incredible to, like, I mean, everybody you love, you know, like, and 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 they were all going, hello, 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 you know. And by the end, you're like, oh, yeah, the phone. That's right been with us for 100 years you know and it went all the way back to sort of you know black and white movies and so you could see there was a historical context here and you're like you know on june 25th apple will revolutionize the phone iphone and then you're like ah, oh, okay i get it it's the phone and then and then when it arrives with no buttons you go well it's a, it's a phone right yeah it hasn't got any buttons doesn't the phone have buttons okay we'll tackle that now but let's not tackle that of like we called it a vroom and you go, it's a broom. Have you got one of those brooms? I'm like, oh, fuck. new with new. I'm never going to get there. So. Mm, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, a, that's a good point. Uh, I think in a climate tech scene also, and basically in all kind of uh, forward-looking parts of the world, you every now and th- then see the projects which are have nothing to do with today. And it's totally kind of uncomprehensible for their audience to, or for the you know potential customers to understand what the hell, what the hell this room is. Uh, I mean, realities, right? I don't know why I said room, but whatever. <laughs> just some silly word that somebody invented. Uh, probably was, somebody. Sorry, invented, someone's but, got a product called room. I don't, sorry, I sorry, sorry to all of the room inventors uh, in the audience, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, the problem is very understandable and it's very common probably in the sector. Any any kind of good tips uh, if uh, in the audience people are building green tech companies, how to, how to create brands for the company doing something good for the world? What should yeah. one kind of take into consideration? Yeah, 
No, it's a great question. You know, I'm often asked this question because, you know, when do we work with you? You know, <laughs> is it now or is it later? You know, obviously, uh, we're kind of a peer to peer. So we're, like, we're not the cheapest in the world. So don't do it like first, but like figure out your product market fit. And once you're sort of rolling, um, I mean, brand, I would say is not something you get to in year five. You're like, okay, let's get to brand now. It's like you're doing it from day one, right? So I would argue that every word, as soon as, you know, you've already laid some track, but don't worry, it's not too late, but you're already telling the story and the story is the brand. And so I think, you know, the wrong way to look at brand is that it's sort of lipstick on the pig of something and you're kind of like, oh, well, let's do the brand thing now. I mean, brand is everything you've ever done, right? So Steve was, you know, you walk in an Apple store, right? I mean, and you feel Apple. Because they're, you know, it's smart. They're walking around with little iPods and they're solving. Oh, you want one of those? Yeah, I got one over there. It's here, you know, and someone comes out of a door and hands it to you and off you go. And, and um, you know, I think every element of the brand. Steve had this thing where every product needed to create brand deposits. And so, so I'll zoom out for a minute. You know, one of the things that we do at Founder is to figure out sort of the, we call it narrative-led strategy, right? So first, let's figure out what the dent in the universe you want to make is, right? Maybe it's 10 years from now, everybody's using this tech to change the world and then uh, from businesses to consumers. Okay, great. Now let's work backwards. We're here today. What's the now? What's the next? What's the future, right? So the shock absorber, the bridge, and the, I'm throwing so many models at you, head's probably hurting, but right now, next future, right? Right now we're here. What's next? What do we do next? And then what's the future? But I think oftentimes people get very romanced by the future, but not thinking about the next. And I think um, at the now and the next. And so, uh, you know, a brand is built brick by brick every single day, right? And so, you know, I think the earliest you can possibly figure out what your overall intention is and your dentist, and then work back from that and say, this product is going to become, this product is going to be, right? And have some sense, I'm not telling you you have to write out the next 10 year of product development, but some sense of the phases, right? What's happening now, what's going to happen next, and, and long-term the impact is going to be this. If you have that and you start to make sure that everything is roughly on track with that, that's the brand. And then you start figuring about the words that you use as you're, you know, doing into doing podcasts with Tamo, or you're, you know, speaking to investors, or you're speaking at Slush, or you're doing an ad, or you're on the website, right? Make sure that language is coherent, is disciplined. You're using the same language over and over again. You know, Apple uses the same language over Airbnb. Like you go on there, you're like. I bring my best human when I go to Airbnb. I'm always like, oh, hey, I'm in town with my little family. I hope I love your apartment, you know, right? No one, it's not TripAdvisor. It's like, she spilled my, you know, the reviews are horrible on those travel sites, right? And suddenly you're in Airbnb and you bring your best human. And that's because Brian Chesky is a product designer from RISD and he designed for good human interaction, right? So when you go to Airbnb, you... You, first, you approach it in a nice way, and then they look at your reviews and say, oh, well, James hasn't trashed anywhere recently, so you know everyone's giving him good reviews, so we'll let him in. Um, and then at the end, the really interesting thing, and I think, again, back to this notion of brand versus product, because I think Brian's a wonderful example, uh, even sort of more contemporary example of a brand built through great products. Um, 
And, you know, whereas Apple is sort of like, you know, for the generation and the sort of technology and software and hardware, it, this is experiential, you know, it's about in a world where people aren't, you know, they're looking to have experiences. And so at the end, you come out and you go, you don't, you don't write a review and say, you know, it was kind of shitty that bit, no, 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 but you know, I had a great time, right? You do a private review first, and that takes the venom out of your review. So you go, hey, Tomo, you know, there's a bit of damp in the spare bedroom and there were no whatever in the downstairs toilet and da 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 right and you say that and then you push that out to them and that improves the product but no one sees it except you and then they go oh thanks a lot james appreciate you you know saying that yeah. and then you do the public review and then you go oh you know i had a great time it was awesome you know there were a couple of issues but tomo dealt with them yeah. and you go that's excellent you know and so i think that's an example of a product experience giving a brand deposit to Airbnb. Because every time you come out, you go, oh, I do like that brand, you know? And, you know, because Airbnb isn't simple, you know, there's some neighborhoods that, right? So in the discourse of social interaction, there are some neighborhoods that are like, oh, we don't want any more Airbnb. It's like not helping, you know, we can't live there anymore kind of thing. So a brand is there to defend you, you know, when you're not in the room, right? When you go, oh, Airbnb, and you go, okay, actually, I think they're good people. I think they're trying to do a good thing. So let's figure this out, right? And I think that's what a brand is there to do is to is to stand up for you and to make people understand that because everybody will, there'll always be a wiggly moment at some point or a bad experience and a brand is there to protect you when, when you're not there. Mm. Going back to the beginning of your answer, what's yeah. the what's the dent uh, founder is there to make? Founder of the company. I mean, yes. you know, the fund, which we just launched, and I think we're in tech crunch this week. And so we got a lot of, you know, and I was like, the first thing I said was we're not VCs, right? So mm -hmm. don't come to us for money. Um, come to us for storytelling. And then what happens is um, a lot of VCs have come to us and said, oh, can we be LPs because you have great access? And so, yeah, sure. And then we get on the cap table of these companies that, and stay with them. And so we get these little strategic investments, right? So it's just a different. But I think the dent in the universe is always to work with very intentional founders that are looking to create a positive impact from the interaction between technology and the human condition, right? So I think we wrote that six years ago. And the positive impact is, you know, we've said no to a few people. We never worked with anybody in crypto. I just, I never met anybody I trusted. And I was just like, and my team was like, we could make money on that. I'm like, yeah, it's just, we won't be happy. You won't like working with them. We won't like the product. I'll never want to talk about it. So it doesn't help us. I want to be able to talk about everybody we work with, right? Yeah. And so, I, like, I don't say we're a purpose-driven company, mm. but I think we kind of are in that kind of area. area. Yeah, I think half our products right now, half our projects are climate tech of mm. some sort or other. I just mentioned a whole bunch of them. Yeah, and increasing the more you do, the more you do, you know. And so, you know, we're talking to an energy company yesterday, and a, I don't know, like, yeah, I think everything is becoming more and more climate tech. It's a bit like digital, you know, like. 15 years ago, everyone was like, oh, you need the digital department. Well, the digital department just went away, right? Yeah. No one's, there is no such thing as a digital department. Everything is digital, right? Exactly. And physical. There is and no I analog departments climate, anymore. Climate tech becomes that, you know, but we're in the shock absorber moment where it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a category, mm. but it becomes mainstream in the next few years. And cool. that's very exciting. So it's a good, right place to be at. I think so. I mean, I think the cultural, yeah, the cultural forces 
government legislation uh culture you know even even biden's stuff you know where he encouraged this and encouraged that like that's increasingly going to be you know once we get over the sort of energy crisis and supply chain issues that we're struggling <laughs> with right now which i'm sure you're familiar with being yeah. in estonia but um you know assuming that that is a blip right and we get past that actually i think in the long term it has highlighted the need to move in the short term it's incredibly painful mm, right but exactly it's a shock absorber you know uh, we need to move away from this thing oh yeah yeah we'll do that later oh mm. we need to move away from this thing oh because the supply just got cut off oh yeah shit let's move away from it you know mm. i think like that's a, a, a driver of a faster change not not making it happen more mm. Slowly starting to wrap up. Uh, I think you kind of touched up on the point, but maybe it's good to repeat. What stage, what kind of companies are kind of uh, best to turn to founder to ask for their advice? You know, we do projects that can be short or long. So uh depends on sort of what stage you're at and whether you want to sort of build a five to 10 year plan or you want to solve the next year or two. Um So... You know, I mean, roughly speaking, our projects go from like 100 to 300. So just just to get blunt, and it's mm -hmm. a very fiscally tight moment. So everybody's asking that question. And so we would size it tailored on the need and the scope and the desire, right? So, you know, obviously, at, if you've got 10 million bucks, $100,000 feels like, you know, a, a larger button or or actually, if you're an, if you have an excess, if you're absolutely, it's mission critical and you're not doing a good job telling your story, then maybe the best $100,000 you've ever spent. Mm, because exactly. you will start to tell a story, particularly because in this area, storytelling is so important. And I feel like everyone's telling kind of the same story. And I, we often, I'll tell you, we do a really fun exercise. We always pull all of the words that are being used in your category from all the websites. And we put it on one page. It's like the first exercise we do, we're like, see these words? It's what everyone else is saying. And actually you're using like 80% of those words too. So let's figure out how to say this stuff without using those words, mm. right? And and so I think that exercise, so yeah, it could be early if it's mission critical. Um, I would say mostly we're in sort of a series A moment, you know, mm. 10 million plus is probably, you know, where a hundred thousand or 150,000 makes sense. And then of course we work with very large companies that are very well capitalized and, you know, can afford and, but have a much more complex series of issues mm. uh, in terms of the product and in terms of like the you know and so we get we get very deep on the bigger projects with bigger companies but mm. i mean we love early stage we love the uh, we're, we're very good dreamers um but we're also incredibly practical and we turn that into this is what you need to send your website right now this is how you tweet these are the things you use on social these are your handles this is how you describe this is the way you talk to talent you know narrative is all about getting great talent it's about encouraging a great employee culture it's about getting investors and it's also about the customer and the consumers you know and, and business messaging exactly. so all of those things i you know as early as possible um but typically around that sort of 10 million bucks is uh, i don't know why i keep hitting on that number but it feels mm. like yeah it sort of, makes sense yeah and, and sometimes before that just because it's existentially problematic that you can't tell your story mm. so sometimes people come to us and say you know i feel like i could raise a ton of money if i could just tell my story and we said well let's go and that's mm. what we do good thanks james for this uh discussion thank you you're welcome you're welcome i'm glad it was uh well i hope it was uh it was useful to everybody
I'm sure it was useful at least to some of the listeners. Thanks. Join us again for the next episode. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please give us a good rating and leave the feedback in your podcast player so others will find it too. We will be back next week. Turn on to Nature Backed Podcast. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An Electric Cast production. See you there. Electric Cast.